emotionally ready. Yeah. So uh, you guys may have noticed that we did not uh, keep good on our thing to keep good. <laughs> My friend Adam, by the way, I went home to Belfast uh -huh. and uh, I have, it's weird to have a friend who likes what I do. That does not happen, That's especially in Northern Ireland. But it's he, too close. Yeah, like, uh, but he actually likes it. And he's, I don't think he's liked anything I've ever done. <laughs> so he likes it. But he was like, Pete, listen to that episode. And you were all like, so like, you know, you're just talking about you're going to get started. He said, I went through it because it's kind of weak episode. It's just about how you're going to get back into the Filler. game. Yeah. And then nothing. Then a month of nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Not even, didn't even feel bad. Like I was yeah. like, okay, you're in Belfast. We did the thing where we were like, we're going to do it remotely. Mm -hmm. And then we got, uh -huh, and it never, uh, it never happened. <laughs> never crossed our mind. Basically, the moment that we finished that episode where we said, we're going to do this, we're going to record an episode every day for a week, <laughs> gone. Absolutely gone. gone. Didn't even remember it. Uh, and you guys have noticed, and I see your comments. It's very funny. Uh, <laughs> people have commented on just like the immediate, like, uh, yeah, we just shouldn't. I'm. I know I should not say things I'm gonna do. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Because who knows? And but this one was so brazen. It was so. <laughs> like, I was so sure. I was like, I "We're back. Here we go." Yeah. Uh, but we are actually yeah. back. Pete, welcome back to America. Thank you. Things are great here. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed. Um, yeah, we're just going to do another episode about how we're going to get back into the game. That's what I was trying. I was like, <laughs> I was like, not that. Okay. No, no. Uh, content. Uh, yeah, we're going to do an episode. This is The Fundamentalist, by the way. If you're new, my name is Elliot Morgan. Uh, I do internet and stand-up comedy. This is one of my best friends in the world, Dr. Peter Rollins, who's a philosopher and a theologian and a public speaker. Boom, right? Boom. This is a podcast about how to discover the possibility of life before, before death. death. You see what we did there? You see what we did there? Because everyone <laughs> seems to be not alive in life a lot, uh, which I can certainly relate to so maybe i should listen to this podcast yeah. every once in a while Might um do you good yeah tell me about it. this episode is on sacrifice yep. your so we did go through let me tell you let's talk about what we did do right and then i also okay. want to ask how belfast is and okay. how it is in comparison to america i'm very interested in it right now um and i think other people will be too but mm -hmm. before uh we dive into that we did make good on part of the last episode that we did where we did go through and come up with different topics that we each that's right. And we, yeah. we got we made good on that yesterday. So we're good. Uh, and this particular episode is on sacrifice. Which is one of my stuff. Yeah. You have stuff lined up and um, and I have a bunch of stuff too that I think is gonna be we have a bunch of very, very cool subjects that we're gonna talk about that feels like every week. <laughs> yeah, really, without feel without every, fact, Sunday, every Sunday it's just gonna drop. And if we travel, we'll do it remotely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and so uh, yeah, but before we dive into all that, how was your trip? Mm. It was great. I loved it. You know, I uh, were there for a long time. Well, yeah, months. But sometimes I go for two. Mm -hmm. you know, but um, it was great. I my my ideal is kind of half and half, or maybe maybe four months in Ireland and the rest in LA. Is that your ideal? Kind That's of. That's the ideal, huh? I think so because it's about sacrifice, you know, and moving between the two. But I um I, I miss the greenery, and I miss the rain, and I miss being around old things like you know, that you feel that have been around before you lived and will yeah. be there after you die. Not things that'll get shut down, rebuilt and turned into a apartment yeah. complex every day. Yeah. And yet there's something beautiful about the contemporaneity of LA where we're- Contemporaneity. Yeah. Uh, contemporaneity. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Just do it with confidence new and stuff. you're fine. Yeah. yeah new stuff. Yeah. Because, because then you don't feel, it also feels timeless. Like, People don't grow old here. You I mean your body grows old, but people are eternally young. So there is something yeah. beautiful about the this kind of the new world, it's but also pan. about Europe. I love as well. It's Neverland. Yep. Nothing, yeah. No one grows up here. You get to stay in your little bubble, and then you get to be like, man, people are crazy on the outside. We have it figured out here in our LA bubble. <laughs> no idea. Uh, and but you you had in this particular trip, did anything fun or interesting happen? Was it or was it just sort of like your your standard go to recoup, recalibrate? Yep. Uh, and do, did some video, did some work while I was out there, and that kind of thing. Yeah, you but, were doing. What's that about? What's that for? It looked really cool. Yeah, doing like a six part kind of introduction to my work. That's cool. going to be part of a course. So cool. that'll be 
happening soon. Have you? I think you, and this is going to probably inflate your ego. Oh, no, don't okay do this. Whatever it is. But have you thought about like you? You had a very interesting life, and you have a very interesting body of work. We've talked about a documentary in the past. Have you thought about doing anything like that that doesn't come off cringy? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, there is an idea for a documentary that uh, Helen's going to do, cool. potentially that we that we were going to try to record when I was in Belfast, uh-huh. where we've got three short films that are all about, funnily enough, all about sacrifice. Um, and I'm going to potentially do talking between these three short films in the sets. Cool. So a little bit like Slavio Shizek's Pervert's Guide to Cinema yeah, yeah. type thing, but but these are shorts that were made uh, specially. So Great. that is going to be like a doc about, not about me, but about certain about philosophy. I've seen Making Love uh, and I've seen Mustard Seeds. Which is called Alone Now. Yes, better title yep. in my humble Yeah, opinion. it is very much a better title. Um, it's called Alone, spelled with two L's. All one. All one. Love. And we're all, because we're all alone. We're all alone and we're all one in our aloneness. Yep. You love your words. <laughs> you love your, your palindromes and your words. Have you seen the final trailer for the movie Tenet? No, 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 but I want to see it. Is it a good trailer? It, no, it's terrible. No. Oh, no. It looks so confusing, and it's, <laughs> but it's very funny to see people like just ripping apart how Nolan-y it is because it's just like, it, it looks like the type of movie that is a palindrome, like even the title is a palindrome oh, yeah. where probably like it'll connect to the beginning at the end and, you know, it's going to be a, I don't know. Like Arrival was very good on that. That uh, you know, the, it played with time and temporality, yeah. and, and, and like the best way I've ever seen a movie play with time. I've been listening to the Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, dude, on uh, Audible. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it's difficult as heck to understand what he's talking about because he's talking about physics. This is a book about like qu- uh, string theory and all that stuff. Yeah. But I've understood a little enough of it to kind of g- wrap my head around certain parts of it. It is crazy. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know what these physicists are doing or what they're messing with in these theoretical quantum stuff. It it is like, you hear it's crazy. And in my mind, I'm like, no, this is just something that people like over exaggerate. It's not that crazy. And then he starts diving into it. And I'm like, this is, this is bonkers. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we're not talking about string theory because I don't understand any of it. But I thought about with the time, with the stretching out, with the, anyway, I'm all over the place right now. I think you should do a documentary. That's Thank all I'm you. Oh, well. um, yeah. And the short films are great, but I need to see the third one. Oh, Jamaica. Yeah, that's an early one that we re-edited. Yeah. So, yeah Does the whole, do you that. like it though? Is that your? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's very good. I wasn't really a part of that one at all, but yeah. um, it was. But it's very, very good. It's that very should good. be you, what you say in the documentaries. Like, I don't really have anything. That I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, one, yeah. This one I was like, you might like. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's about. By the way, I'll just tell you what it's about. Right. Yes, it's about, uh, a kid who has a very unhappy family life and he imagines Jamaica. He wants to go run away to Jamaica. And basically the story is he tries to run, it's a true, based on the true story of this kid. And uh, he tries to run away to Jamaica and basically discovers that there is no running away. And so it's, it ends with him uh, basically discovering that Jamaica is a type of fantasy that allows him to escape the horror of his life. But it, But there is no ideal Jamaica for him to run away to. So very happy stuff. It sounds really cool and fun. (laughs) Check it out. Coming to theaters soon. (laughs) Like Tenet. Um, What are we talking about? What's your thoughts on uh, the idea of sacrifice? sacrifice? Yeah, Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this because um, I'm doing a course at the moment or a book study on this notion of ultimate concern, which is kind of the idea of not there's not just things that we care about um there's not just like things we care about a lot but there's there's also this dimension of life in which we are prepared sometimes to give everything to something and that's an ultimate concern it's not just like i like something or i really like something you it's, submit you yeah. bow down yeah give you yourself serve. to yeah so and devote this is, your life yeah and this is a universal dimension you find it anywhere yeah. right um I can't call it the categorical imperative, or it's connected to that. This this call, this sense that that something demands everything from mm-hmm. you. And the theorist Todd McGowan, who I'm going to be using some of his thoughts in this, so I'm just putting his name out there. But talks about the, your bingo. Uh, what's that? Play your bingo. Play your, yeah. <laughs> I suppose he's on the bingo card. Was, he? we, oh, yeah. it has to be. And, has well, to at be. least his book is. And if we're talking about sacrifice, yeah, we got to. Yeah. About. Well, he, um, you know explores how 
we think that we sacrifice for things that we love, but actually in a way we sacrifice towards love. We, without sacrifice, there's no meaning. Without mm-hmm. sacrifice, the world becomes one dimensional and empty. And we as human beings require sacrifice. So it's not that you sacrifice for something, it's that in sacrificing, value enters the world. Okay. And I wanted to kind of explore that because there's a way in which in our contemporary life, um, you know, not necessarily the last six months, but go back a little bit further, uh, there's a such a, a shallowness of culture that um, it's hard for people to find meaning. And so, because we live in a postmodern, uh, secularized, over-rationalized world, yeah, kind of like a prof- profane world, and I mean that not in a bad sense, but a kind of secularized world where, uh, where also where sacrifice is either seen as bad or, or disavowed. But by the way, hipster is a good example of of a contemporary rebellion against this, right? So I was talking to there's a there's a woman Sarah in the reading group, and she was talking about people who bake their own bread, and she was like. Um, you know, like in a world where you can get bread really easily yeah. anywhere. Well, how do you bring value to bread? And you kind of have to make your own. Right. Um, or in a world where you can get any music anytime you want at the touch of a button, then the only way to bring value back to music is to get into vinyl and then go to secondhand stores and start to filter through. So in a way, the definition yeah. of a hipster is someone who lives within kind of a one-dimensional consumerist world and is attempting to bring value back to that consumerist world through reintroducing sacrifice yeah but i also think it's interesting that when like the hipster because i'll do that i love that stuff and i'll make my own bread it's all good because it's also you'd get some fresh bread you dip it in some olive oil and a little bit of whatever yeah it's kind of the best thing but you know why you know what this the secret ingredient is the work you put into it the secret ingredient is cry yes that's a great peep show Uh, (laughs) that's bingo card yeah (laughs) Uh, we're becoming programs of ourselves Uh, yet the uh the whole vinyl thing of like you can just hear it you can just smell it it's like book like physical books like you can have a kindle but i I will want a physical book. And then you're like, oh, I like the weight of it. Or I like the way this pages smell. And it's always something that is like fine, but not really like you could just, you don't really need like the, you can still consume the book. Like yeah. you can, you're not really, you're just breathing in like processed paper basically yeah. or old paper, but you're not, it has nothing to do with the words that are written in the book, just as the vinyl I don't imagine has anything to do with like, I mean, I'm not an audiophile, so I'm sure all that stuff does to a degree, but I think you're, I think there's something to that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're actually just doing it so that you can, you're investing in it. There, yeah. There has to be some, some form of sacrifice. And this is why you could, there's always money to be made, right? So in Silicon Valley Real, or whatever. Prove it. <laughs> but in, you know, like uh, San Francisco or whatever, like people are making money by making life easier, but there's always money to be made in making life harder. And, 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 and once you see something becoming really simple, if I was in the business, this is what I'd be looking at is how does, how do I make life difficult? Because, you know, in a world where transport is easy, then someone, someone will want to get a penny farthing bike and ride to work yeah. and make it difficult. And the reason why in a world where everything, you know, where the, the visionary entrepreneur is like, how do I make everything super easy for people? One thing they're robbing out of life is meaning. They, they literally are taking meaning out of life. So the vinyl secondhand bookstores, yeah. uh, um, baking your own bread, all of that, I think is a, a frantic desire to reintroduce meaning into the world by reintroducing sacrifice. Okay. I get yeah. that. I mean, to bring it to bring it back home to my uh, limited experience, uh, let's use exercise for an example. I don't like it. I don't like doing it. I think it sucks. Uh, if I do it for a while, I get momentum, I can enjoy it and say I like it. But I like the effect that it has. Mm-hmm. But I would almost bet you like it's not really the energy that I do it for or the reason or like to look differently, it's probably because knowing that I put in time every day to do something like that makes me feel good. So yeah. it actually is about the amount of time that I spend, and it is a sacrifice of of my time. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and my own like yeah. Im- lazy impulses. And and the problem is within so you know within contemporary society, although sacrifice is there, we're told that it isn't there. Like you're not, you don't realize 
the sacrifice is in the work. You think the sacrifice, or you think the pleasure is in is in the perfect body, or someone thinks that the pleasure is in the car, right? They're, they're sacrificing, they're saving up for this car that they really want, and they think the car is going to satisfy them, give them pleasure. But in a way, it's the sacrifice for the car. Mm-hmm. It's ha- and not only the sacrifice. It's the goal. You're serving. Yeah, you're, you're serving. So you're sacrificing. You have to save the money. You have to make the money. And also the sacrifice that it's cost for the car to be made. All of the sacrifice exists, but it's disavowed, right? It's it, You're told in society, you know, if you get the car, you'll be happy. But you don't realize, oh, no, it's the sacrifice that makes the car a transcendent object. Hence, the car will always dissatisfy you when you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whereas in religion, this is interesting, is ancient religion is designed partly, if you take someone like René Girard, is partly designed to show sacrifice, to actually reveal sacrifice, not yeah. hide it. So like uh, Burning Man is a great example of like, because here sacrifice, sexuality, and spirituality are always interconnected. And in Burning Man, you can see that, right? Burning Man, there's sacrifice. You're destroying things. You're destroying your body through drugs as well and through body modifications and all these various destructive things one does, yoga. Um, and then you... Um, destructive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then also then... Don't uh, do anything as crazy as yeah. yoga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. CrossFit, that's a very destructive thing for your body. That's insane. Yeah. That's a cool, that's different than sacrifice. Yeah. That's a whole collective of, I mean, I'm sure it's great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But so you've got destruction in Burning Man. You've got um, sexuality, right, in Burning Man. And you've got spirituality because... That's what, like, the whole point of... Ritual, yeah. Yeah, and the whole point of festivals in religious times was about sacrifice. You literally killed an animal, not for money, not to use it. You just destroyed it. Like, the whole point of... The point of a festival was you need spaces in society where there isn't economic exchange. There is pure sacrifice. Okay, so, okay, all right. So what is the... I mean, I guess I'm a little lost in the sauce with this because... Uh, let's back up a little bit. If you're sacrificing for something, I mean, you're serving something, you are basically going, you're causing yourself uh, discomfort or pain of some kind. For- See, d- yeah. Are you serving? Like, that was what maybe that's the thing. You might be right, but you're not necessarily serving. Like, sometimes people sacrifice in order to find something worthy of serving. So they, it's like, it, that, I mean, romance is a great example. You buy shit that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But the sacrifice of money to buy, say, flowers, precisely because flowers have no real value. I mean, yeah. they're not even that. But they're pretty. so pretty, though. You know, are they? Are they really? You could you could use some flowers in here. <laughs> I could use anything in here. You could use yeah. <laughs> you could use some damn in the dust. cavernous yeah. space. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, flowers are pretty to look at. I feel like that's a mm. that's a but yeah, the symbolic thing of like here's flowers. They're as yeah. pretty as you are. That's all kind of uh, you know culture, I guess. But I was yeah. thinking about how um, when I was in the elevator, the since we we're talking about sacrifice, and I was like, I was like, I'm really tired of wearing these damn masks. And I, I was like, I know like. You're not supposed to say that. Everyone, you know, should wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. That's a very risky thing to say, a crazy thing to say. But, you know, it just gets inconvenient. And one day you're like, same with socks. I'm going to keep wearing socks. But some days I'm like, I don't like wearing socks. Mm-hmm. Some days I was like, I couldn't understand the thing that the guy was saying downstairs. And I was like, but you wear a mask because it's a sacrifice. And it's, in- it's a minor inconvenience that you're making for this belie- the belief and the idea that, you know, you can reduce the spread of a a virus or whatever. So it's like, yes, everybody should do it. And then I was thinking about the people, specifically people that I know uh, on Facebook and and people who are anti-mask, like the anti-maskers and that mm-hmm. whole thing, which has become this culture war that is, we do a whole conversation on that, but I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I keep going back, I keep having this idea, this thought in my head, and I want to know what you think of it, because in my mind, I'm like, this is one of those clever things I'm thinking of, but maybe it's not at all. So you have, like, for example, in Florida, ten, they just hit 10,000 uh, deaths in the state. Uh, crazy, crazy amount of people. Um, then I get online, and I see all this stuff that's, like, reducing the amount of deaths to, like, a statistical... Uh, you know, small number. So it's like, okay, yeah, this many people die, but if you look at the overall population, and it's like, 
absolutely no like empathy toward the fact that all these people have died and the lean on the factual sort of rational uh, statistical thing. But you're getting very into the the very contentious things here. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, but whatever. I'm okay, not, yeah. Everyone knows, yeah. my, everyone knows my deal. I'm not trying to, you know, just, just yeah. whatever. But you, I remember in 9-11 when those towers fell and we just sent a bunch, we started a bunch of shit after that and sent a bunch of people and sacrificed, I would say, quite a bit after 9-11 happened uh, that I personally didn't have to be sacrificed, but a bunch of young people were. A bunch of young people went overseas. And it seems as though that is a weird example of sacrifice being like distanced from the person, being like, okay, well, we're gonna send these kids over there and then they're gonna they're gonna die. And that's the sacrifice. But they no one has to look at it, no one has to think about it. It's no big deal. Now that there's a minor sacrifice involved with wearing a mask, and I know this is me taking a stance on something, but whatever, minor sacrifice, all of a sudden people are like, oh, I can't, you're not going to step on my rights. Does that make sense? It does, but I, I feel I'm very out of touch because I empathize with, but I also empathize with people who feel like that. But I empathize with both sides. That's my problem is I, I kind of get it that it's a, that there's, there's a, there's a whole pile of symbolism and, it's so wrapped Code, up. There's in codes and some, there's some weird dude. I mean, yeah. There's so there's so much being put on this whole conversation on both sides yeah. that it's like for sure difficult to talk about. But if you reduce it only to the sacrifice part, mm. it's kind of an interesting thing that when the sacrifice is so minimal but so personal, people can't do it. But when the sacrifice is so grandiose but so far removed uh, for a fraction of the amount of you know lives that have been lost. There, there's an interesting, I think, uh, hypocrisy, I guess, a little bit there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, for me, those are two very different things. I mean, the thing about masks for me, but I see if this relates or not, um, is that there's something about mask wearing that is symbolic of revealing your own lack. Because you're you're basically saying one is you could be infected and you can infect others. And so there's, there is a kind of like acknowledgement of one's, yeah, of uh, one's finitude. Dude, I think the, I think truly this is my little crackpot idea that I don't yeah. think it means anything, but the fact that the word mask, it literally sounds like a castrated version of the word masculinity. There's something going on there. Oh yeah. That's very interesting. Cause I, yeah, I think there's something to that. I do. And my guess would be, that uh, that men are less likely to wear masks than women. That would be, and even the women who are less likely to wear it kind of seem to fall into that same sort of idea of being strong, being masculine. Yeah. Men don't do. We're tough. We're American. Yeah. We're that. Blah yeah. blah. blah. Anyway, and, and I'm and I'm not, I'm not trying to derail that. this. Into yeah. The mask no, oh no. I think like that. That is something I have thought about, and I'm like, I do think that. And by the way, I I think I've. I find it difficult for that very reason because I think that I, just purely on a personal level, um, disavow my own uh, weakness. And so wearing a mask is a way of confronting me with my finitude, very, very subtly, oh, but in a way that yeah, in a yeah. way that makes me a tiny bit uncomfortable. Yeah, that is so crazy. That's such a funny thing to be like, yeah, the, the, the anti-mask thing is whatever you want to call it, there is like a thing that is so heavy where mm. that is also very interesting. Yeah. Like we're all like, it's so easy to wear a mask. But then if you think about it, you're like, the reason you're saying that is because if they don't, you're going to, they're going to kill somebody. Yeah. And it's like, that is death. <laughs> and that is just reminding people of death constantly. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't seem like it's fun. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's very interesting. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, but let's do an episode on mask thing. That's another thing we always talk about is what we should know, do an episode I on. That. I like, I like, I'd love to jump into that. I honestly <laughs> think I have, I've said everything I have to say. <laughs> I'm like, that's, not, that's a mini episode. The, we can cut that. Yeah, the masculinity thing, I think, sums it up. The the finitude, the being reminded of your own thing, and then my own general not caring about most things all, <laughs> all create the cocktail. <laughs> being like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> no hot takes here. Uh, yeah, no, very good. But anyway, so that's I like sacrifice. That. Yeah. That's my thought on it when I was coming up here is like, there is a, when you do it, you're sacrificing your own inconvenience and it is what it is. Yeah. But for other people, it's not that it's a signifier and that's a whole other yeah. whirlwind of things. Yeah. But, the, but yeah, you are right. Like sacrifice is all connected with, with this, um, with what we're seeing and in, in various ways, you know, and, 
And I, I think often people are, I say, we're frantically attempting to bring meaning into the world. For me, it's not, it's like almost sacrifice is what creates the, trans- the transcendental. So as an example, I think I've used this before, but people often think that they're, that they're jealous because they love. But what you often find is you often find that people only sustain love because they're jealous. And so if you're able to help that individual work through their jealousy, they no longer love the person that they're jealous will be stolen away from them. So weirdly, as I say, yeah. from a natural perspective, it's like, oh, I'm jealous because I love. But where you go like, no, you're frantically creating jealousy in order to sustain love. Yeah. Um, I get a little, I get, I have jealousy uh, issues, but I also think that, yeah, I'll do the thing where it's like, oh, it's, you know, a little bit of jealousy isn't like yeah. the worst thing in the world. But uh, I can also understand theoretically the idea of someone no longer having jealousy and then in their mind they're like well that just means i have the thing i have the person i have the possession i'm not jealous of i'm not fearful of it it is now wholly in my grasp which would probably play into the like you know you save up for the car the car to satisfy like the moment you think you have something yeah yeah. you didn't you're yeah. going to be disappointed yes so the, the trick is how do we maintain like you're saying like a little bit of jealousy is fine is if you acknowledge it and understand it so the, the problem for me is it's not the problem is not sacrifice the problem is disavowal of sacrifice the problem is when we don't acknowledge that sacrifice and is part of relationships and all that if you don't acknowledge it it, it comes and bites you in the ass it will it always erupts it'll oh so if, if two people are very in a good relationship everything's great one person's going to fuck it up mm-hmm. in order to bring sacrifice and destruction back in in order to generate desire so if shit you shit the bed yeah 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 you shit the bed if you can't do it in a healthy way you'll do it in an unhealthy way yeah, yeah i've seen that nice yeah it is uh yeah yeah in the sacrifice thing though in terms of like giving uh of yourself like i mean every book every little self-help book i've read in regards to and you've read a lot to- <laughs> and they have not helped you're the best. Me. You're the best advert for not reading self help, dude. In a way, I'm the worst. <laughs> well, except for the one. You on see alcohol. my life? <laughs> yeah, except for the one on alcohol, which works. Well, no, it, it works, but you've just finished. Yeah, the drink. but it, I mean, it. I've but it, read all of them, and I feel like I, I feel like I recommend it all the time. But I'm like a bad poster child for it because I feel like they worked it. It all worked just in a way that is, you know. I wouldn't change it anything. No, well, I, well, yeah. I like it. I gotta say, you've got a great life. It's pretty things good. Are, things are pretty good. Yeah, and which brings me back to the subject at hand, which is sacrifice. I I don't know if I told you this. I did a uh, this is years ago. I did some mushrooms years okay. years, uh, years, and years ago. ago. Yeah, and this actually was a long time yeah. ago. But I um I like broke down, and I it was like a realization that I had in I. Like my career and my output creatively and everything have become so minimal, and I've put such a, a heavy like price tag on all of it, and been like, "This has got to do this and this, and I got to stay." But like something's been missing, and I think I relate to what quality, you were, yeah, 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 views, yeah, uh, yeah. humor, yeah. Uh, talent. Yeah. Uh, we could, the list, <laughs> list, the list goes on. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I was like, I broke down because I was like, I need to be able to serve something and I need to be giving up my sort of like level of comfort that I've lived with, which I'm doing in various ways. And it's interesting because, you know, it's their drugs. Drugs drugs are drugs and they're not necessarily like anything good, anything bad. It's all about how you whatever. But it actually was like a really crazy moment that I did not expect of being like, oh, I have this very cush sort of life in a very good situation. And I was like, I I don't want to do this out of anything other than truly being like sacrificial, like being like, mm. I want to work on something and create something that is like giving of myself. And not only do I want to do it, it felt like I needed to do that. It yeah. felt like a weird 30 something rev- revelation where I was like, I can't keep, you know, it's not, I don't want to keep focusing on Patreon numbers or reviews or anything like that. It's like, no, I want to know what it is that I'm standing for, which I think is pretty 
standard for the stage of development in life that I'm in. But uh, yeah, it worked. Yeah. And then since then, it's been a very interesting sort of series of developments that have happened where I haven't done it because of that experience. But when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, something kind of shifted there yeah. a little bit and going like, I need to start actually making sacrifice. Oh, what I was going to say mm-hmm. about the self-help books, this the idea, at least in my that I've taken away from love or about love is that it is always based in sacrifice. Like love, that's mm. what the love is a verb song, DC talk, wonderful, wonderful <laughs> song. Uh, just, it's not going, well. <laughs> but uh, it like the idea that love is an action. Love is a giving of yourself. Love is like, you know, not worrying about what all your needs are. Maybe there's something there. Yeah. Know. No, a hundred percent. I think that's, that's, Absolutely great. I went um, all over the map yeah. on that one. No, I, and basically you're saying and that like you in a way had to sacrifice. You had to find a way to sacrifice in order to bring value back. That's what the drug experience kind of yeah. said to you. And yeah. I mean, it was, I won't go into the details no. of it because it was pretty intense, but I was by myself. I was just in tears. I was like, I, I was like, I'm missing the purpose a little bit. And I want yeah. to do so. I want to find something that is outside myself that is, uh, important enough to me and what's interesting though dude is i don't have there's like and i I think people can relate to this in the culture that we live in where it's like we do live in a hyper rational world and a very science-based world and a very like well this is just how things are and and, but there's the mystery and all that stuff seems to be kind of getting lost in the sauce for a lot of Mm -hmm. people and we live in a culture that like they are having to find ways to sacrifice they're having they're having to find ways to to feel uh, yeah, like like yeah. they're alive. Basically, yes. it's crazy. I mean, yeah, whether in a sacred or secular dimension, like and this Paul Tillich argues, like you need sacrifice and you need f- to find ways to engage in a type of sacrificial engagement. Yeah, um, sports I think is a good secular way of doing it because, like again, people like sports is a great example for me because sports is objectively ridiculous. Like for me, as a non-sports person, mm-hmm. I literally look at a game of football and I'm looking at some guys trying to get a football to that side of the pitch and these ones are trying to get the ball to that side of the pitch. I don't get it. You say as we sit around a a chess table. Yeah, no, that's a good game. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's a good good game, yeah. When the little pieces go over there. You have to move over there. (laughs) But when the humans do it, that's so silly. (laughs) But I kind of go like, the reason I think why football and sports is a great example is the reason why it's so valuable is for most kids, they go to say to the football game, maybe their father brings them or something, and they start to sacrifice. They yeah. start to sacrifice time. They sacrifice money. They sacrifice energy. And through the continual, um, uh, uh, what would be the word, but where sedimentation of sacrifice, Ooh, the nice. game becomes more and more transcendental until... And I, I know my friends who are into sports, just go mental because the sacrifice of the time they've put in watching their team lose, for example, loads of times, and then eventually they win. And it's it's purely a great example of how something finite enters into the realm of ultimate concern mm-hmm. through the sedimentation of years of sacrifice. Ultimate concern. That's a, so you define that the ultimate concern is the thing to which you serve like it, it's a trend it's a uh it exists you know above everything like a yeah it's kind of like it's 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 not just something that you value highly it's you worship what, it almost yeah yeah it's what um it's what uh gives you meaning i would say that's what gives you the meaning of life yeah yeah i mean that's a uh, i've never heard the term before so it's very interesting i mean maybe we've talked about it but like yeah that would be different than you would call like a big other that you're performing for to make yeah. sure you gain the approval of. The ultimate concern is like, this is my calling. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This is what this is what gives me value. It's not what I would live or die for because people live and die for ridiculous things. It's what gives my life uh, the value of life. It's what makes life worth living. And it's what makes death valuable as in, you know, that I would die for. I was also, I did when I was doing this years ago, this trip on Mushrooms, I listened to a song by the killers called the calling and it was also in that same experience and i was like and it probably triggered my brain was probably like oh you're gonna listen to that song cool well now you're gonna cry about you know everything but it was a wonderful experience um but yeah the 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 idea of having something that is well do you know what your ultimate concern is yeah or should i tell you i know what it is (laughs) yeah i mean and the trick is everyone has it i would say about paul tillich who coined the term 
you know, very much strongly says that everyone has an ultimate concern. It sometimes takes years to find it. It takes a lot of work to find it. Yeah, what would you say yours is? Oh, uh, how would I put it into words? Um, I mean, I suppose what, what it's, it's... I can maybe help you. Okay, go for it. Because I think maybe someone on the outside. It's you, are you saying it's you? No. Is that right? No, is it, is it, is it me? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, it's me. Um, it's, I think your, yours, your desire, your ultimate concern would be to free people from the idea that there is a magical uh, key that fits into the lock of life that solves everything. And that the absence of that key is found in everyday experiences. Yeah, oh, that's very well said. I like that. Yeah, I Something mean, there. to put it in a nutshell, you could say my ultimate concern is helping people find their ultimate concern. But but I, hmm. I was like, is, is but to be freed from the frenetic pursuit of something they think will work and is enjoy the sacrifice. Would itself. you feel like your purpose was fulfilled if you you were like you're going to help somebody find their ultimate concern, but their ultimate concern ended up being like uh, yoga? Yeah, well, no, if that opens you up to the transcendental dimension, 100%. In fact, here's the thing, not forget about me, I don't know what my ultimate concern is, but the thing that Tillich says about ultimate concern, which is good, is that... Just very interesting to me. Yeah, your ultimate concern, if it's for something finite, it's um, demonic. He calls it demonic or idolatrous. Um, if you deny your ultimate concern, you enter into emptiness. But ultimately... Nailed it. Yeah, the ultimate concern that is that is useful, that is good, that is perfect. Perfect is the wrong word. Yeah, is um the one, the thing. Yeah. yeah, the thing is is something that's finite in your world, like a cause or a person or whatever, that opens you up to a dimension beyond finitude. So yeah. you and so like justice, love, uh, mercy, grace. What like some cons, Yeah, something something that opens you up beyond. By the way, Simone Weil does this beautifully, right? She has this, we've talked about this before maybe, but not in this way. Uh, Simone Weil in Gravity and Grace says, what does the miser lose when he loses his treasure? Yeah. And because basically she's reflecting on how if a miser, is in, there's an Aesop fable where the miser loses his treasure, he's very upset. And she says, well, he doesn't lose the treasure because in one sense he never had it. He never spends it. He just counts it. He never spends it. But he's distraught when it's stolen. And what Simone Weil says is this, and you'll like this with your physics, you know, quantum mechanics, because, because Simone Weil has an idea of desire that is connected to quantum mechanics, mm -hmm. which is that human beings need an object that they neither have nor don't have in order to sustain their desire. So what the miser has done is they've created an object, their treasure. They don't have it, as in they don't spend it, they don't enjoy it, and they don't not have it. Because it's, it's there, they can, right? They know it. So they, but it's an unstable. So it creates a presence absence indeterminacy, mm -hmm. a superpositioning, a quantum superpositioning, right? Where they don't have or not have, and that allows them to desire. That's interesting. Yeah, it is the quantum thing. It is only there if they look at it, basically. Yeah, it, yeah, they, you know, but it's not there in the sense that they're not using it and they're not, you know, buying yeah. things and enjoying the wealth that they have. That's very interesting. It's beautiful, yeah. isn't it? It's a really beautiful analogy. Like, like a quantum dimension of desire. The Schrodinger's yeah. cat, but it's of desire. Bag of money. Yeah, that's, that's it. Fun. And 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 Simone Weil says the only problem with the miser, the main problem, is that the miser has an unstable quantum object. Because it can be stolen and it can be used. So her definition of God, this is really interesting. Yeah. Her definition of God is that, um, that thing, that presence that maintains a quantum undecidability between presence and absence that allows for desire. Hmm. Okay. Which is a fascinating definition of God. <laughs> I, I'd have to hear that again or read it. Well, I'll put it like this. For her, there has to be something that we can neither grasp nor lose mm -hmm. that allows us to desire. And that's what Tillich calls ultimate concern. So there's a cause, and say you love the cause of, of some cause of justice, but there has to be a dimension that you don't grasp. It's always to come that's, that, that still you don't quite get it. You, you're missing that. And so it's, it creates this, this desire. Yeah, I wonder, and this, I'm not, 
I, like this whole situation that we're in, not to try to keep, I'm not, I'm truly not trying to interject you really want current to say, events, yeah. but <laughs> current events are happening right now yeah. by their yeah. very nature. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I do think that I've seen, I don't know, like I, I, I grew up Republican. I got that whole thing. I got it. And I, and now I'm way, way more left, but I've felt in, in this past year, uh, that there is a real shiny new object, um, syndrome happening with the my younger my peers in the on the left where causes and things are mm. all valid and all good but tend to with the news cycle sort of go through this and this and this and I think that's um, not necessarily a bad thing I think you should fight for everything and fight for all of it but I think also like it's indicative of there being a lack of a Final, what was the word? Final cause? Final yeah, ult- ult- ultimate concern. Ultimate concern. Or, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm nervous, right? Because the two dangers in society, I think, are emptiness and demonization. I take that from Paul Tillich. Uh, emptiness is a, yeah, is where nothing has value uh, and you kind of just become melancholic. And then demonization is where you so think you have the truth and the answer that you've got the absolute so is, like, if you think of the miser's treasure, one is you don't have the treasure and mm-hmm. you're sad. The other is you do have it. And um, I worry that, but like, so an, ex- an example of, the, of demonization in a secular way is doxing. We talked about this earlier. If you dox somebody, you're so certain that you're right, that you're willing to put someone's personal address and mobile number or whatever online and ask your followers to abuse these people. There's a whole thing yeah. that I saw about old guy who was a gamer who got doxxed by these people who thought he was like a super like senior citizen gamer mm-hmm. and these people thought he was some kind of a pedophile and he was like the sweetest guy who was not that and his shit got yeah they effed him up because they like exposed quote unquote him as this thing that he wasn't and his life got essentially ruined, ruined because yeah. these dorks thought they had it all figured out thought they knew what was up and they wanted to take it upon themselves to fix the situation and it's like what well, how does that end good how does that end good for anybody i know no i i do think doxing is a secular demonization because scarlet lettering right i mean you're you're uh, taking someone and you're going like you're, well that's not really scarlet lettering because they're not walking around but yeah yeah i actually don't know that phrase it sounds a cool phrase what's i've heard of the phrase scarlet letter but i don't know what it means what's well it? to speak uh, beyond what i actually know about it it's, it's based on a book where it's you wore like an a or something like that on your um on your clothes if you were like sexually promiscuous or something like that if you were some sort uh-huh. of a uh what the you know prostitute maybe but you would wear something where you knew you'd you uh, dis- yeah. put on display that you were something and uh, so it's people right. finding people and being like putting them on display for them uh, which is yeah. different than what it wasn't really uh, relevant right. oh, this is an interesting phrase but yeah but yeah the doxing thing the reason why it's dangerous for me is paul Tillich has this beautiful way of describing he says right you have to give yourself to a cause absolutely you all have ult- ultimate concern that's indubitable like mm. it's but you always have to have doubt about the way that manifests in your life there is always risk there's always a chance you're wrong you always have to be open to discourse always have to be open to 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 being the body right yeah and if and so it's beautiful because there's absolute commitment to your cause alongside um the idea that you're risking, you're, you have to doubt, you have to be open to discourse. If you lose that, the, um, then you're in, you're in idolatry. And uh, that, yeah. that is a danger today. That's um, super interesting. Yep. Because yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you find a purpose. I also think uh, there's a temptation to constantly be like, well, you know, everything's 50-50 and everything is, you know, there's two sides to every story and all that. And I feel like that's been used to justify not taking, uh, taking a stand as a uh, weaker version of what I'm getting at. But it's been used as an excuse to not tr- not find a, a ultimate concern. Yeah. I don't know why I can't get this term in my head. What is it, ultimate, <laughs> concern? ultimate concern? Ultimate yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. right. concern, uh, But like, uh, yeah, there. it's very tempting to... Uh, 
I think people get so concerned with not becoming dogmatic about whatever their ultimate concern is that they never get a chance to to sort of fight again and, and yeah. let like iron sharpening iron. But because the what you're talking about of like yeah you become you have to be open to becoming the bad guy or the baddie because you, inevitably if you follow anything to its core you're going to end up being that in certain situations. But that's also how you learn. So yeah, how do you yeah. you know? But that that's this is this is why like and it comes back to you starting off by talking about the book on quantum mechanics is that that this is the equivalent, is that quantum mechanics is not just um, an interesting theory about physics, it also, or a philosophical theory about reality. Um, it actually has something to say about the very nature of subjectivity and desire. And what Simone Weil offers is she says, we need a quantum indeterminacy about our commitments to the world. Yeah. Which means, in Paul Tillich's terms, you give yourself to something, you give yourself to a cause, you find your ultimate concern, and simultaneously you realize that you haven't got it. It's got you, you're grasped by it, but that there's a dimension that you cannot name. This is what the Buddhists say whenever Buddhists say, if you, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. In other words, because the Buddha, if the Buddha ever was fully instantialized, then this would be destructive. The Buddha is, in a sense, always to arrive, always something more. So this is a quantum on side, but like you have to have full commitment to something or a person in love, full commitment to a person with the idea that this might be the wrong person, it might be terrible, mm -hmm. it might end up in a disaster where you're fighting over your kids and wanting to, to destroy the other person. And, and you, you embrace that indeterminacy do you think you can fully embrace something and still hold off those hold on to those disclaimers though like if you're gonna dive fully into something and be like this is my ultimate concern it seems like you're you're gonna come head first with those bad the bad effects of that eventually right like you otherwise you were never really it's literally like that faith conversation it's like well if you didn't get healed you just didn't have enough faith and it's like you could if you have an ultimate concern and you were you're not in it enough that it generates actual conflict in your life, then like, are you really, are you not just sort of being like chill about? Yeah. Well, Tillich would say that, yeah, the danger, the two dangers are demonization or emptiness and demonization is that is where your ultimate concern, I suppose it, it basically is like this, right? You give yourself say to justice and you say, right. And I'm going to work say in the criminal system, uh, you know, trying to fight injustice within, mm -hmm. in, with incarcerated people. Um, so you fully commit yourself to that. Uh, but you can also say, however, um, I'm open to, you know, like, you know, being wrong about the way I see things, learning yeah. from other people, listening honestly with what's going on. But yeah, Tillich says the danger of religion is always demonization. And mm -hmm. religion, is, for him, religion is basically symbols that say you have the answer. Like religion at its best says, here are some symbols that you give yourself to, but that also don't give you yeah. what you think. That, that's why the idea of God and mysticism is always a non-present presence. Yeah. So in mysticism, you always have a God that both exists and doesn't exist. Atheism and theism intertwined. Every time you name God, it's not God. Yeah. So you have to be an atheist about God. And yet every time you don't name God, you're, you're kind of like getting closer to the ground of all being. Mm -hmm. So yeah, religion, religion at its best for someone like Tillich or Simone Weil offers a language of, of uh, presence, absence, indeterminacy. I, I love all that from what I got from it. That was very good, Pete. I don't know exactly, I, I didn't follow exactly because it's, I'm thinking I'm, my brain's going off in all sorts of directions, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering if there's a slight, if my only, like you, do you think that's possible? I guess would be my question. A religion where you can safely, or not a religion, an ultimate concern where you can safely give yourself over to it wholeheartedly. Because it seems, in my mind, and I don't know if this would align with Tillich, you would find your ultimate concern, whatever it is. It's justice. You do your thing. It's, uh, you know, personal hygiene. You give yourself over personal hygiene. You're going to make sure everybody's got a bar of soap constantly with them. Uh, hand sanitizer for everybody. It doesn't matter. It's beautiful. Mm. You give yourself over to it. That's is that your political platform? It hand is. sanitizer Always has for been. everyone and gluten for everyone. Oh, and I was ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you you adopt this thing. 
but wouldn't it be a sort of normal cyclical experience to give yourself over, find that it becomes demon- demonic? Is that what demonic, you said? Demonic, yeah. Yeah, find that it becomes, you know, I have it all right, and those people are all wrong because they yeah. don't have hand sanitizer. They're bad. Or hand sanitizer is. I like it. I like this example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's people who are bad. They don't have. They don't. They don't have it. So that's the demonic mm-hmm. side of it. But isn't there something to going? Oh, right. I've gone a little too, uh-oh. Yeah. And then you just go, okay, you're a human, whatever. Maybe I have my own thing. I got a little too, I got a little too into it. But you can't get there without getting to, without first going. No, I get in. what, I get what you're saying, right? But I'm going to argue the opposite. I'm going to say that you can only really understand true sacrifice when you're open to the risk of being wrong. And by that, I mean this, right? The ultimate, right? Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because if the, the re- yeah, because the reason why, like in contemporary society, people are always trying to find a romantic way to propose. Because in a sense, the most romantic thing's been stolen away from proposals, which is it's the most ridiculous thing you could ever do. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you're offering yourself to someone whenever you know you're a bit of a dick. I mean, that's a cruel thing to do. You shouldn't do that to anybody, even someone you hate. But to to do that to someone you love is a terrible thing. But also, that's very funny. Yeah, thank you. But also, uh, yeah, it's um, uh, I think it's just true. <laughs> but, it is so yeah. funny. Yeah, um, it's like, uh, guess what? I'm I I want you to tolerate me for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Will you forever be like, yeah. And also in addition (laughs) to that, you know, statistically that it's probably not going to work, right? You look at the statistics of divorce and even people who don't get divorced, you're sleeping in separate bedrooms and hate each other, right? The stats are terrible. That's not what robs romance of its romance. That's what gives it its romance. If you say to someone, this is probably not going to work out. You're probably going to hate me. I'm probably going to hate you. In fact, if someone from the future came to me right now with a DVD or not a DVD, uh, uh, some future, so what do you put in the computers? CD yeah, ROMs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. CD and, ROMs. You know, of, yeah. Of, but of the very moment when we broke up 20 years from now, they, they, I actually saw it. I actually looked at it on yeah. my laptop and I saw it. And I still am asking you, will you marry me? Yeah, yeah, but, That's romantic. But only if that person means that. If that person doesn't mean that and they're like, I know that like this is going to be yes. really tough. Then that's like the dorkiest, dorkiest thing. thing. But it has to be meant. Yes, it has to be meant. But if they yeah. mean like we're going to be happy, I'm going to be the most. I'm going to just. This is going to be the most romantic. Per- I'm going to be the perfect husband. You're going to be the perfect wife. I think there's a sweetness if they naively believe that yeah. shit. <laughs> it's sweet. It's sweet. But like, and I will yeah. watch with bated breath as yeah. the whole thing goes down in flames. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's usually the first time people get married or have a relationship. That's the the way they describe it. But it's the same with an, a battle. If you have a f- superior force there's no risk in fighting there's no real courage but if you're like a tiny army and you fight there's more courage so the argument is that actually giving yourself to a cause wholly and completely without reserve and yet simultaneously being open to being wrong and and open to the horror of that realization i think which is sacrifice right the sacrifice of giving yourself over to something and also the sacrifice of realizing you might be wrong doesn't take away from the commitment. It actually gives it its transcendental dimension. We're back to the same. I don't know. This is such a funny thing because it's so, I, I understand it like tertiary in a tertiary sense in my brain, but I, I'm trying to wrap my head around the idea of giving yourself over and, and I guess I'm just doubting the human's ability to have the, to, and you, I get it. You're upset and you're just walk, you're out of here. Uh, Peach just got up and walked away. If you're on the audio version, um, yeah, I'm 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 having doubts about the human's ability to consciously be able to distance themselves from the belief that they've got it figured out. Like, why not? Why not embrace the idea that you have it all figured out? Embrace the idea that the marriage will be beautiful and allow life itself to surprise you with the realization that oh you don't have it all figured out now, which i guess is yeah. different than the sacrifice this is more about the ultimate yeah. concern thing now there's nothing wrong with well i was going to say there <laughs> is holding something. it in your lap is a very <laughs> what <laughs> there there is i was going to say there's nothing wrong with that but there is something wrong with that is it and it's not wrong as in we all do it i mean goodness, if you're young you're like i'm sorry impossible like i don't know how you could possibly you know, I, but I also, I know I'm also of the brain that I, I have the shiny new object syndrome yeah. that everybody has where it's like, this is the thing, this is the yes. thing, this is the thing. But I would yes. never, 
I that's why you need it. That's why we all need a sophisticated, symbolic language. Oh, I need to put tonic water in that. <laughs> we all need. You don't. It's a very right. nice gin, actually. You, you might not need tonic for it, but <laughs> <laughs> there's tonic God. water right there. You do your own tonic water. God. <laughs> um, this is what they're talking about sacrifice. <laughs> but this is this is why and. Right, and I don't want to get into all this other stuff, but it is my concern with a lot of modern discourse that it does not have a language that allows us to avoid demonization on one side and emptiness on the other. You know, and but there is, there are types of discourse and types of practices that help us do that. That's um, what we need. That's what we. All need. right. I mean, I can understand uh, a lot of what you're saying. You know what freaked me out when we were watching the. Um, I watched a lot of the DNC, the Democratic National Convention. Uh, I've heard of um, it, yeah. They are pretty cool uh, (laughs) and definitely wasn't cringy and definitely didn't pretend that it was cooler than it was. But um, at one point I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, is this? I was like, I like, I know I can be a dick, but this is not good, right? She's like, this is pretty pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) God bless him. But the... uh, there was a weird language that they used um, a few times in regard, and I, I brought this up a little bit with you. It, this language in regard to science was religious, like it was a religious language, but you could literally take the word science out and put God in, and it was still in a very, it still had a reverence, a zeal, an ultimate sort of not concern, but a, allegiance to this thing where science let science be the guide and we will uh submit bow to science which i think is great i love science i believe in science okay but it is curious the language it's a very curious way of uh uh i don't know it just felt strange to me it felt very like the creepy it just creeped me out a little bit well i I do think right here's a and let's throw this out see what you think but quietly this is not quietly because i'm saying on a podcast but quietly um i have thought that so so what 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 tillich says is he says religions tend towards demonization and and what he calls quasi religions which is uh nationalism socialism humanism liberalism whatever right they tend towards emptiness but he says they tend towards that but what i would say is we live in a moment in which religions tend towards emptiness and quasi-religions are tending towards demonization and that there is a religious dimension. Okay, I see. You're saying emptiness in relation to the uh, Tillich thing. Okay. Yeah, so so there is within what you're talking about with the DNC and stuff, I have noticed that there is a profoundly religious dimension to these and even a a conversion similar to the Great Conversion in America in the 1800s that is... I'm not saying either good or bad. I'm just making it. It's a just comment. interesting. Yeah. It's also interesting that it's like, I think the whole believing the the phrase, even the phrase "believing in science," that's a very interesting way to put something like that because it's like, well, okay, you believe in science, but then you see the way they talk about it, and they talk about it in a religious sense, and religion is something that you believe in. So they are going like, this is this is our God. Like, this is what we, we will now bow down and worship. We will now, if you need to come over, you need to accept into your heart, the facts or whatever. It Mm. all just is the same kind of thing. It's all, it's, it feels to me like a, um, a religious, a weirdly religious movement, but this is also me. Mind you, that, that bit might be, well, I'm trying to think what, what someone like Tillich would say. Like he might say like that bit's good because we, Oh, I think it's actually very, it's a smart strategy too, to be like, but also, we we all need something that connects us with the transcendental. Whether for for the artist, it's beauty; for the philosopher, truth; for the lawyer, justice. You know? Right, but science so, isn't that. That's, I guess, my problem. Is like science. The idea of science has absolutely no moral like imperative. It's literally just empirical data that you use to through your senses to make sense of the world around you. It's beautiful. No, but you can have but you can have a transcendental dimension to science, which is, you know, obviously the kind of the pursuit of truth that you never grasp because you're you're always moving forward. You know, you ne- you're you never get to the final point. But that also dr- drives you. So that could be called transcendental because but wouldn't that be wouldn't you be entering into the 
Oh, that you it would enter into the 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 demo, the what you would they would call the demonic thing then. Well, oh, well, that that would be the transcendental. That would be good. The demonic would be if you think science is the only way to gain access to or to unconceal the world. That would be there demonic. It is. There it is. Yep, that's what uh, I'm talking right, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the university, in a sense, is like a different rooms unconceal the world in different ways. Poetry unconceals the world. Philosophy unconceals the world. Science. So, but if you think yep. that science is the only way in which the world is unconcealed, then that yep. that would be a problem. That's where yeah. I get off the the wagon. But I think it's also it's it's proof that we that people just I think need stuff to believe in, and they need something to sacrifice and give their lives over to. And it seems to be in short supply for most people. Yeah. I mean, I do think, by the way, like, because it for the last lot of years, emptiness for me has been the predominant experience of young people, that the swing has been now towards, and, and it's a, an understandable swing towards attempting to find meaning through sacrifice. Yeah. And, uh, the, the big thing for me, why, we're talk, why I wanted to talk about sacrifice, is how do we have ultimate concern? As in, how do we have a commitment to the world, sacrifice, without it becoming destructive? Yeah. Uh, like in a really violent way. Now, all sacrifice is destructive, but you can have positive sacrifice, positive destruction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Because sacrifice is wonderful. I mean, that's why it's spiritual, sexual. It's like, and that's why... You know, like you know, if you want to, if you want to have a great sexual experience, you know, the sacrifice has to be involved, whether it's flowers or killing somebody. It's like there's, yeah. you know, this is you get the more crazy, fucked up, whatever, you know. Because, yep. but that's very destructive. Is um, is you either Are you confessing have, something right now? Did you do something? What did you? Who'd you kill? <laughs> it was a crazy sexual you experience. Spark in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the sacrifice has to be there in some way. But it can't become destructive. Something I've had to come to terms with is the is in this search of, uh, especially during this time of uh, transition and uh, upheaval, uh, is like, okay, I want to, I want to stand, I want to find the thing that I give myself over to, and then I was like, I've hung out with Pete way too much because I was like, I know, I know that none of these, none of any of this, (laughs) like, is going to be, like, the thing. And uh, Not that I'm putting that on you, but I do feel that. I do, I don't not, like, I truly am, like, I can see both sides of of most situations. I can see both sides, and it's a blessing and a curse. But then I was like, (laughs) oh, okay, yeah, so I just have to choose something, and I have to accept that I am never going to, to perhaps 100% believe in things. And I had to like internalize that because it ended a search in a weird way. I think that I was not realizing I was on of finding that thing or that, you know, like that clear answer, I guess. And then in the past couple months, few months, it's been like, okay, yeah, no, I, I feel much more free to have much more fun with like fighting for things and figuring out what my purpose or ultimate concern is uh and it's been wonderful but it took it did take as you're saying it it took a certain realization that uh it's you have the freedom to pick whatever to whatever resonates with you and to just go ape shit with it because you probably are going to be wrong so who cares yeah yeah that's it and all of these have a demonic car. So the demonic side of nationalism is fascism. The demonic side of socialism is Stalinism. The demonic side of, um, of you know, Christianity is the insur- uh, you know, um, uh, the Inquisition. The the uh, anima has its animus, and the shadow uh, has nah, its hero. And no, the don't sw- start that bullshit. <laughs> it's crazy that you're saying this type of yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to have a good conversation about that. I'm gonna have to set you straight on that. Uh-huh. Stuff. I can't wait, <laughs> uh, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Yeah. You have to take away. I mean, that was this has been one heck of a co- uh, conversation. I don't know Sorry. what we talked about, but <laughs> I'm sure I was right, and 100 uh, percent I was right about yeah. everything, and you were wrong about everything. Yeah. And shame on you for being that way. Thank you. Um, um, and I know you're feeling an emptiness as a result of my uh, demonizing you like that. But um, yeah, do yeah. you? What's your any? Will we do takeaways? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing to take away from. No, this I think we still, did. The takeaways are all in there. If you just percolating. listen, yeah, yeah, it's in the. It's like a. It, the, this podcast episode felt like a bag of popcorn that's going off in the microwave. We're like this, this, this. Um, and you know what? We're what back. Are you doing? We're back. One hundred percent. Never We're gonna back. miss an episode.
Uh, guys, if you're watching this on the Valleycast channel, please subscribe to it oh, and yeah. please leave us a comment and let us know what you're giving your life over, what your ultimate concern is, what you're sacrificing these days. Yeah. And uh, if you can relate to what we're talking about or if you're like, hey, you have no idea what you guys are talking about. Keep it going. Because you know what, what Victor Frankl said? And Victor Frankl would say often... Oh, made of really, really, really inappropriate jokes. I, <laughs> I, I took guys... Uh, glad I didn't, but yeah. Oh, I had, wish you had. You have to tell me afterwards. Would have been an elitist <laughs> asshole joke to make. <laughs> well, he, he would often ask a person in therapy, say, why have you not killed yourself? And the reason why he would ask that question at a certain point is because even someone who feels they've got no ultimate concern, they've got nothing, they're whatever there's a reason why you haven't killed yourself. And that's a good question to begin to ask in order to find your ultimate concern. We should do a whole, uh, that's what our next episode should be. That's what, what's that? That's what our next episode yes. should be. Oh, brilliant. I, it's going to be a two, uh, well, half of it is going to be you asking me the question. You let me ramble for 15 minutes. I let you ramble for 15 minutes. And then we figure out what our ultimate concern is. That's it. Perfect. How? how to kill me okay uh, thank you everybody bye bye